Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. God's good, amen. Amen. We're going to continue. God's moving and I think you all sense that, amen. And uh, he's been tying things together uh, in the songs we've been singing, the prayers that we've been praying. Uh, And he's not finished yet. Uh, God wants to bring hope and healing uh, to many in this room. And so we're going to dive into our our message today. Uh, Katie's going to play some nice things in the background. Um, And we're going to then also create some space for the Lord to continue to work in our hearts. And so uh, even right now, let's just not leave kind of the space that we've been, the moment we've been in. So let's just take a moment and keep our hearts open. And you might want to even say those words, Jesus, I'm open. And we want to hear from him. We want to listen for his voice. We want to receive what he has for us this morning. So God, we pray that as we look to your word, as we think about a church uh, from hundreds of years ago in a different part of the world, God, that you want to speak to us this morning. And you want to bring hope. You want to bring life. And so God, we keep our ears open. God, we ask that you would open our eyes to see you, to see ourselves. And so, God, would you come and would you speak through me, speak through your word. And, God, would you bring hope, would you bring healing, would you bring life in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to share a message from Revelation 3, and we're going to shorten the message so we have more time for ministry later. Uh, A message called Open the Door. Someone say, Open the Door. This message is brought to you by the letter S, and you'll find out more uh, later why that is. But I want to read from Revelation, our last letter to the church uh, in Laodicea. Uh, We've been navigating uh, over the last eight weeks. We had a quick break in there. um, Thinking about various churches, these letters to the churches, and seeing what God would speak, knowing that. What are we speaking to those churches? He's speaking to us today as a church, but also us as individuals. So let's read the text this morning as we think about open the door. Revelation chapter 4, uh, or sorry, Revelation 3, 14. And it says, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea writes, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, and you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, uh, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This is Jesus speaking. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may be rich. The white garments and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. In verse 20. 
behold. Or look, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Today we want to think about having an open door. Open the door. Now, have you ever been locked out of your own car? Anybody here been locked out? You locked your keys in your own I see some people that they're feeling that, that they've been locked out of their own car. Maybe you've been locked out of your own house. You forgot the keys or whatever. That's happened to me. I live in a condo and I've walked my dog forgetting to bring the fob and so I can't get back in. Uh, and th it's an interesting place to be when you're locked out of your own car or your own house. Now, I grew up in North Surrey, so if you're locked out of your car, ask me, and I might be able to help you out about how to get into that car. Some of you know exactly what I mean, and maybe it's a bent coat hanger. Um, maybe it's all sorts of techniques that you can use. Maybe you're locked out of your house, and you have to, like, check every door, every window, pop the screen off to try to get back in, because you've been locked out of your own home and it's painful because often in your car you can see the keys you left the keys right there and you can see them in this letter to the church jesus has been locked out and shut out of his own church jesus has been shut out so we see jesus it says behold i stand at the door and knock that means Jesus is on the outside. This church has actually placed Jesus outside of their very life. They're active, they're busy, but they're doing it apart from Jesus. He's on the outside. He's been shut out of his own church, which reveals the possibility for churches and individuals for us to live in such a way that we place Jesus on the outside. No longer on the outside, no longer on the inside, no longer with intimacy and relationship. He's actually on the outside of our very lives. He is possible for us to shut Jesus out. Now, the question for this text is: how did they shut him out? What would cause it to, for them to behave in such a way that Jesus is on the outside knocking, asking, knocking, would you let me? in. What would happen? Well, what happens in this church, what causes this is self-sufficiency. Again, this message is brought to you by the letter S. First, they shut Jesus out. And the way they shut him out was through their own self-sufficiency. What's happened is, is they basically have said, we've got it all covered. We don't even need you, Jesus and Jesus is placed on the outside because they don't have need of him. We read that in our text this morning where it says, for, uh, for you say, I'm rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Now, to give you some historical context, the church of Laodicea, Laodicea is a wealthy city, a self-sufficient city. 
It's on busy trade routes and they are financially doing very well. They have lots of banks, textile industries, and even a medical school and special ointment to bring healing to eyes. They're wealthy and they're rich and they're self-sufficient. There was a time that an earthquake came to Laodicea and everything was destroyed. And so the government wrote to them saying, hey, can we send help? And they said, nope, we got it. And they, from their own resources, were able to rebuild their own city. They've become self-sufficient as a city. And now we see that reflected in the church where they feel self-sufficient. I'm doing well. Financially, they're doing pretty well, living in affluence, living in luxury. Their needs are provided, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat. They're feeling pretty good. And as a result, spiritually, this has crept into their very hearts. And they say to themselves, I'm good. We can do this spiritually as well, where we say, I've done the things. I'm not a sinner like that guy. I'm doing really good. I read my Bible five out of seven days this morning or of this week. I'm doing really well. I serve on Sunday morning. I'm doing great. And what happens is we start looking to ourselves to believe that we are self-sufficient. That it's either in my affluence that I am able to provide for myself or in my actions and the things that I do that we believe I'm good. And we functionally say to Jesus, I don't need you. And we place Jesus on the outside. In our own self-sufficiency, our own self-resiliency, what can happen is we say, Jesus, I don't even need you. I've got it going in myself. St. Augustine said this, the saying, I have everything, is a terrible saying when everything does not include the living God. The Laodiceans are trusting their wealth. They're trusting their appearance, trusting their record, trusting all of these things to answer the deepest needs of the human heart. That I am self-sufficient. I can functionally save myself. I can cover my shame. I can bring health and healing to myself. It's like small children. And you say, can I open that uh, sippy cup for you? And they say, no, I can do it. Right? That's what the Laodicean church has done. And as a result, they place God on the outside. And here's the thing. When we trust our own wealth, when we trust our own appearance, again, they say that. I've rich, I've prospered, all of these things. I'm doing well. When we trust these things, the reality is, is that it's a shaky place to put our hope. When we put our, our ultimate hope, our ultimate trust in our resources, in our appearance, the way we look, that we have it all together, or even in our very health, because sometimes we do that. I'm healthy and strong. I did it myself. I do all these push-ups. I eat really great food. I'm good. What happens, those things are shaky places to put our hope. Earthly things are a shaky place to put our hope. Jesus speaks a lot about this. We see this theme again and again in Scripture. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. This is in Matthew 6. Where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
when we put our ultimate security, our ultimate trust in our physical possessions, the reality is those can, that can disappear in a moment. Ask some people in Kelowna, I think they know that reality. Ask those people that trusted in their own vigor and strength when they found out they had cancer. Those things can go in a moment. It's not a secure place to put it in. When you're trying to live in your own self-sufficiency, it's a shaky way to live your life. And self-sufficiency can sap your spiritual zeal and energy as you look to yourself as your source, as you look to your objects, your possessions as the source of all that you have. Now, this self-sufficiency, what also can happen, again, it's looking towards ourself, what I have, what I need. Self-sufficiency becomes self-focused. Self-focused. And we see this in the Laodicean church. They have become self-focused themselves. Their attention is only on what they can do, what they can accumulate, their own things, what makes them comfortable, the compromise that comes when we allow unchecked wealth and placing our hope in it. It can, we focus solely on us and what we have. And we often neglect the ministry and calling that Jesus has for us. The Laodicean, Laodicean church has become useless for the kingdom. And Jesus gives us an incredible example using the geography of the area. He says to them, I, I wish that you were hot or cold, cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit you out of your mouth. In Laodicea, close by, there's some different cities. One city has a hot springs. You can see it from Laodicea up on the hill. And six miles away, there's this hot springs that's hot. And people would visit it for healing. It had a purpose, had a function. Then on the other side of the city, there was uh, outside of the city, there was a cold a source, a cold stream for cold water, refreshing. And then what would happen is Laodicea was planted in a place, they prioritized economic gain and didn't have a functional source of water. So they, would make, they made a pipe from that hot springs to deliver the water into Laodicea. Well, guess what? That water was hot at its source, but what do you think happens six miles down the line? It becomes lukewarm. Now it's, this water is no longer healing and hot. It's no longer cold and quenching of your thirst. They get this lukewarm water, which literally causes people to spit it out. It's useless. It's kind of like coffee. You know, maybe you've had a long week. Maybe you've got small children and you wake up in the morning. That hot cup of coffee. Can I get an amen? That hot cup of coffee. It serves a purpose, a function. It wakes you up. It makes you feel nice and warm. And so, but again, it has a function. Or maybe you've been, it's a hot summer's day, 30 degrees, and you go to Tim Hortons, and you get that ice cap. That's what it's called, right? Oh, man, who loves an ice cap? No one told me that ice caps taste like a liquid coffee crisp. That's incredible. Anyway but it's refreshing, it has a purpose. But you know what nobody wants, or you know it's not useful? Lukewarm coffee with coffee grinds in it. You drink that, what's your immediate response? Blah, get it out of my mouth. 
it's useless. Laodicea has become so self-focused. They're not doing kingdom ministry. They're not bringing health and healing. They're not hot and they're not cold. They're not quenching the thirst of those who need Jesus. They're in the middle. They're lukewarm and Jesus, Jesus doesn't have good things to say about that. They're not focused on what God's called them to do, bringing healing, bringing refreshing, bringing comfort, all of those things. And what's Jesus' response to this kind of faith? It makes him sick to his stomach. He sees an ineffective church that's focused in self-reliance and it makes him want to puke. And so what does Jesus do? That's what he's, this is a pretty strong rebuke. The strong rebuke is because he wants to puke. But he gives him the strong warming of lukewarm faith and he says, I'll spit you out of your mouth. And this sounds heavy and hard, but guess what? This text is filled with grace. This text is filled with hope. We should be surprised by grace. Now we shouldn't be, but in this context, they are surprised by grace. Let's look at this text deeper. This church that's self-reliant, self-sufficient, put Jesus on the inside, not doing kingdom work that makes Jesus want to puke. What is Jesus' response? He offers them grace. This is good news for us. When we mess up, when we walk away, when we're lukewarm, grace is available. So what does Jesus do? First we hear that Jesus, who's been shut out of the church, is knocking on the door. He's come to them. He's looking for them and wanting to get back into relationship. That's the grace of Jesus. Jesus has come. Jesus seeks them. And then Jesus says to them, I counsel you. He counsels them. He pursues them. He has good advice for them. And this is amazing. Not only is Jesus on the outside knocking, saying, open the door. Jesus has come to open the store. Jesus has come to open. He, he, he has a pop-up shop. Jesus comes and he opens the store and he says, I counsel you to buy from me. Jesus has a store and to buy gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. You see, they believe they are rich and in their earthly prosperity are actually spiritually poor. The opposite of the church of Smyrna, which is physically poor, but spiritually rich. And so Jesus says, come and buy from me what your money cannot buy. You might have all the money in the world, but it can't buy you the spiritual answers for the human soul. So he says, buy from me that which satisfies, this spiritual gold. And he says, you can buy in my pop-up shop, you can buy white garments that will cover your shame. This church, this city is known for their black wool. Jesus comes and offers them white clothing to cover their shame. There's a lot of people that maybe try to cover their shame with all sorts of things. They can feel it. They feel lack. They feel the result of their sin. And what they do is try to cover it up by putting a brave face on, dressing well, putting on that Sunday makeup and being ready to go. Jesus says, actually, you need to buy those clothes from me because you can't cover your shame on your own. So Jesus also offers them in his store salve to heal their eyes. They are spiritually blind. Jesus has said, you're poor, you're wretched, you're blind. 
and all of those things that we that they believe they can buy in their self-sufficiency, they can't. They must come to Jesus to buy it. And so Jesus comes and he opens the store. For those who will come to Jesus, those who, and he says, come and buy. Who loves a shopping spree? I do, amen. But here's the thing, they can't afford it. They can't buy this with their own resources, but what can they use to buy? Faith. Jesus has already paid for it. This is a good store. Jesus paid. We received this through faith. The things that cover our shame and supply us with all the things we truly need, Jesus offers. But guess what? We continually are surprised by Jesus' grace. Not only does he come to our door and knock, not only does he open the door, he comes in love. He comes in love. It says in verse 19, to those whom I love. And this word, the word love here in Greek, if you've been around church long enough, you know there's different ways to express the word love. We can say, I love a frappuccino, and we can say, I love my wife. And it's the same word, and that's ridiculous. But in Greek, they had multiple words. And this word for love here is the word that thinks about our affections. It's not that Jesus loves you covenantally and positionally. It's that he actually, his heart he loves you. He's got feelings for you. And so he says, I come to those whom I love. And he says some of the most loving words that a savior can say to a human. He says, repent. Because in that word, when we turn to Jesus and we turn away from our self-sufficiency and reliance and we turn back to him, we can discover everything that we've needed that only he can truly provide. Jesus loves them. And then Jesus goes further in his grace. He's knocking on the door and he says, if you open the door, I'm going to have dinner with you. Then after the shopping spree, after the affectionate love, Jesus says, let's eat together. When we open the door, Jesus' grace for those who make him want to puke is that he wants to have dinner with you have a relationship with you, those who have rejected him. He wants to receive you and eat with you and have a relationship with you and intimately know you. This is our Savior. And then there's even more. Jesus says to this, to those who will conquer. Now this word conquer, interesting word. If I had more time, I'd spend some more time with it. We can conquer like Jesus. How did Jesus conquer? He died. The way that we conquer in this life is we endure, and it's not about self-focus or self-satisfaction. It's about self-sacrifice. That's how we conquer. We follow the way of Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus says to those who conquer that they can sit on his throne. He also brings to a place of honor with him. So for those who have shut Jesus out, those who've neglected kingdom work, those who have made Jesus want to puke, he comes with grace upon grace upon grace. It's available for you. It's available for me. And Jesus offers something that earthly possessions could not buy. He offers true life, eternal life, not just in the future, but even today. He's offering to those who are rich, but spiritually poor, truly life. It says this in 1 Timothy 6. I love this verse. And you might, I'm going to say the word rich, and a lot of you are going to think, 
that's not me. That's you. If you live in Canada and you have a car and you've got multiple things of clothing to wear and you've got food in your fridge, you are earthly, materially rich. Okay? What does is, what is the scripture have to say to us? As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, which means to be proud or arrogant in their own things, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. We thought about the uncertainty of riches. But on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He's got the open store for us. Remember, for those who come to him, they are to do good, be rich in good works. Jesus says, I know your works, and they're not doing them. So he says, we are to be good, to be rich in good works, to be generous. One of the ways you know if you're being self-sufficient and you're trusting in your own resources is when you are not generous. Is because what you function to believe is I need to accumulate as much as I can to be safe. No. Our hope isn't ultimately the size of our bank account. That stops generosity. When we realize that Jesus is our source, then we can freely give of what he's blessed us with. So he says to be generous, ready to give, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Now listen up. So that they, or you and me, when we walk in the way of Jesus, we open the door to him. So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. We spend a lot of time thinking life is how much I can earn the vacation I can go on. Those are good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. Steward them well. But they're not the ultimate source of life. They're not the ultimate source of hope. And when we live in the right perspective, the right way, not self-focused, not self-sufficient, but focused on Jesus, his kingdom, and his ministry, and we trust on his resources, recognizing as we sung this morning about our, how needy we are, how we need a savior, then we discover true life. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. We sang that this morning. Man, some of the songs we sang this morning. What was that refrain, Rohib, that we sang? Um, oh, I can't remember it. But basically the line is that, that he, everything, uh, from, from you are all things, right? To you are all things. We didn't even know that we were singing our texts this morning. From you are all things. Jesus is the source of life. It says the, to, the, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, the words of the amen. And faithful and true witness, Jesus is faithful. He's true. He's the exact representation of who the Father is. And then what does it say? The beginning of God's creation. Now, some of you say, does that mean Jesus is created? No, Jesus is not a created being, okay? Jesus has always existed, always. That word beginning there is from where we get the word. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This is a title for Jesus. And the title means is that he is the source and the originator of life. That everything we need comes from King Jesus, comes from the amen, comes from the faithful one. Jesus is the source of life. It says in Colossians 1:15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, someone say all things, were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. This is about Jesus. This isn't about Laodicea and their failures. This is about the goodness and source and provision of our God. And he is the head of the church, or the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him everything he might be preeminent. That's why we bring him the worship. That's why we can sing for 40 minutes again and again. You are worthy of it all because he is. Now, as we close, I want to ask this question. Jesus is knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What will you do? I thought for a moment as I was preparing is what does Jesus knock sound like? For some of it, we think the knock sounds like this. Let me in! No, 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 that's not how Jesus is. Can I, I think this is what Jesus' knock could sound like. Are you ready? Jesus' knock, the reason why he's knocking is he wants a response. Jesus wants you to open the door. He wants to be let back in. Because he's Lord. But he also knows this. That for those who put Jesus on the outside and trust their own self-sufficiency, not only is self-sufficiency insecure, it's ineffective in yourself, in your own resources, you cannot meet the needs that you have. As Pastor Craig was saying, sometimes we can barely pay rent. Now we're trying to meet the needs of we need a savior. We need our shame dealt with. We need hope. You can't do it on your own. Jesus is standing there knocking on the outside because he knows that everything we need his hand can provide. And his hand only can provide. It's not in ourselves. So Jesus is knocking and saying, would you let me in? Whatever the reason you've shut him out, maybe it's your self-sufficiency and you say, Jesus, I don't need you. I got it all together. You don't. Jesus sees you for who you are, poor, wretched, and naked and blind. But in him, we have everything we need. So Jesus knocks and says, let me in. Maybe... You've already let Jesus in the house. But maybe there's some rooms that Jesus is standing outside and going. There's some areas of your life where you have a hurt or a need and you say, Jesus, I'm going to take care of this one on my own. And you leave Jesus on the outside. That hurts, that disappointment, that trauma, whatever it might be, you can't heal it on your own. 
Jesus is standing outside that room knocking, will you let me in? Because what you really need, he provides. He's the source of life. He's the source of healing. So you might say, Jesus, this is my mess. I'll handle it. You can't. You might say, Jesus, I don't know if I can trust you with this room. May I remind you that he is the amen, the faithful one, the beginning of all creation, the source of life. Will you trust in him? Self-sufficiency closes the door on God's provision. There are needs that we all have. And if we leave Jesus on the outside, they will remain needs because they won't be met. But when we invite Jesus in, we invite the one who can actually provide, the one who can actually heal. So he's knocking. It's time to open the door. Can we pray this morning? Jesus, we thank you that you're good. Jesus, we also thank you that you are here with us, that you are a God who is not far away, but you are a God who's close, a God who pursues us, pursues relationship with us. So Lord, I pray that as each and every one of us in this room, whether we're watching online on a Sunday or on a Tuesday, God, I pray that you would come and would you speak to us and you, would you reveal to us if we've placed you on the outside? Show us if we're reliving this, a spiritual, religious life where we go through the motions, but we've forgot about you a long time ago. We say, I can do the things. I don't need you. And we place you on the outside. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us if what we're, our ultimate hope is in is in our finances or in our appearances or in our health, where if that's our ultimate hope, but we're ultimately trusting Jesus, would you reveal that to us? Would you give us salve for our eyes that we could see clearly the ways in which we put you on the outside? God, would we invite you back in Lord, I pray for those of us, for all of us, we probably have rooms in our house where we say, Jesus, not this one, not yet. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and give us the eyes to see the rooms in our spiritual home, the rooms in our heart, the rooms in our minds, those rooms, but whether it's addiction or hurts, unforgiveness, bitterness, where we say, I'm going to deal with it. Jesus, help us to see the futility of that demand and help us to let you in. Lord God, help us to discover the loving, the, the, the loving nature of repentance that you call us to turn to you. God, would we be able to say, God, we're sorry for the ways that we've shut you out, the ways that we've learned to live without you, prayerless, without passion, without focusing on your kingdom, what you've called us to do. Jesus, you stand at the door and knock. Would you, would we hear you? Would we behold? Would we look? Would we hear? And would we open that door and in doing so, discover the source of life?
the one full of grace, the one who has the healing that we need, the one who offers the hope that we desire, the one who has the resources of heaven. God, would we no longer restrict you and thus restrict your provision? Would we let you in humbly, knowing that we need you, that you desire a relationship with us? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never let Jesus into your heart. And Jesus is knocking on your door saying, you can let me in. <laughs> he stands at the door and knock. Maybe you've never let Jesus in. You haven't experienced salvation, haven't experienced that relationship, that abiding relationship, an intimate relationship with our Savior who forgives and heals and restores. Today can be your day. Jesus is knocking. Would you respond to him? But maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you just recognize you're lukewarm. You've lost your passion. And part of losing that passion is that you've placed Jesus on the outside. Jesus is knocking on your door and he's welcoming an invitation. Would you respond and let me in? And in doing so, would we discover the joy and passion of a close walk with Jesus? The one who sees us as we are sees our need, becomes and is our provider. So with our eyes closed this morning, if you would say that my, I've left Jesus on the outside and I want to let him in, maybe it's into your house or maybe it's into a specific room. If you're here this morning and you'd recognize you hear Jesus knocking, his gracious, tender, loving call, his invitation to freedom and provision. Would you put your hand up? I want to pray for you this morning. If you'd recognize that in some place, you've set, shut Jesus out of your very life. Let me pray for us as we close. You can put your hand down. Thanks for indicating that. We recognize is that Jesus, the one who sees, he's the one that knows. So Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself that in the ways that we've learned to do our Christian faith without you, God, we repent of that. If that's you, you can just say, Jesus, I repent, I'm sorry. We turn back to you, Jesus. We invite you back in how we need you, Jesus, how we need you. And so God, I ask for each one who is responding this morning to the knocking on their door, as you open the door and as you enter in, Jesus, I pray that even now would they encounter your grace, your love, your hope, your healing like they've never encountered before because everything we need is in your hand, Jesus. And you offer it freely through faith for all those who turn to you. So Jesus, we turn to you restore and we choose to restore our zeal and our passion for you putting you first putting your kingdom work first to bring healing and wholeness to the world around us may we be those who bring healing and refreshment for the thirsty world that exists around us that we would be about you jesus we would seek first your kingdom your righteousness knowing that all the things that we need you're going to give us because you're faithful and you're the source of life. So Lord, I thank you for all of those who have welcomed you back in. God, would they know and encounter your nearness, your forgiveness, your healing like they never imagined. So God, we thank you that you're good. And we open 
the door to you. We open our door to you. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. I know I, we tip, I typically offer this. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but uh, I'm sure I'm allowed to. If you want prayer, we would love to pray with you. If you want to find one of the pastoral team, Pastor Craig, Pastor Shanda, Pastor Daniel, or just somebody near you, they'd love to pray with you. Maybe there's just something, again, we often find, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Healing often comes as we share the burdens that we're carrying and we let Jesus in. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.